Good morning. It's Friday, the 3rd of November, and this is Govind Raj Ethi Raj, based in Mumbai, India's financial capital, though now in transit. Our top stories and themes for the day Abu Dhabi may bring in $50 billion of investments into India. The US Federal Reserve saves the day. Indian markets rise after two losing sessions. The biggest ever initial public offer rush as companies hope to benefit from a strong market in India. WeWork is set to declare bankruptcy. How is India's shared office or co-working space business stacking up? This is a core report with Govindraj Atiraj. The Federal Reserve to the rescue. The US Federal Reserve saved the markets once again. Stock futures rose and bond yields fell on speculation that the Federal Reserve will no longer hike interest rates in the United States. Treasury 30-year yields fell 10 basis points to 4.83% and the dollar dropped against all of its developed market peers. Data is showing that US labor productivity advanced by the most in three years, helping to alleviate the inflationary impact of recent wage growth, Bloomberg is reporting. While the Fed kept open the prospect of additional policy action on strong economic growth, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell speculated that Treasury yields at high levels could instead help the central bank keep monetary conditions restrictive to wring out the inflationary excesses of this business cycle, reported Bloomberg. So consumer demand is high in the United States as it is in India for a range of products. Even Starbucks, which has over 333 stores in India, beat revenue expectations in a fresh indication that lattes are doing well, despite everything else. You may recall us mentioning in the core report that cold beverages now account for more than 75% of Starbucks sales in leading markets, which also tells you something about how consumer choices can shift. Meanwhile, oil is holding around $85 a barrel, much below the worrisome $90 a barrel mark, also a sign that markets are now more accustomed to tensions in the Middle East and we'll wait to see if there is any dramatic escalation before responding. So, back home, after two sessions of losses, the BSE Sensex zoomed 490 points to end at 64,081, while the Nifty 50 ended at 19,133, up 144 points. Abu Dhabi may invest $50 billion in India. Meanwhile, portfolio and other investment flows from the Middle East and the Emirates are set to pick up. Bloomberg is reporting that the United Arab Emirates is considering investing as much as $50 billion in India, its second largest trading partner, as part of a broader bet on the country. This news, interestingly enough, comes at a time when there is some ambiguity about India's stance in the Middle East conflict. Provisional pledges from the United Arab Emirates could be announced early next year, sources told Bloomberg, and any new investments would follow Prime Minister Narendra Modi's meetings with UAE President Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed in July. The countries have been seeking to bolster ties over the last 10 years and hope to increase non-oil bilateral trade to $100 billion. Modi's recent visit to Abu Dhabi marked his fifth trip there since he took over as Prime Minister in 2014. The last Indian Premier to visit the UAE before him was Indira Gandhi in 1981. The fact that Prime Minister Modi has visited Abu Dhabi five times during his tenure as Prime Minister is not something that most would have noticed or kept count. Deals being discussed, including stakes in key Indian infrastructure projects and state-owned assets with announcements likely before Prime Minister Modi seeks a third term in federal elections due next year, reported Bloomberg. Some of the investments could involve sovereign wealth funds such as the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, Mubadala Investment Company and ADQ. 
Meanwhile, if the sun shines, one must make hay and of course go to the public markets. A record number of small and medium-sized companies going public has made India one of the busiest listings markets in the world this year, according to Bloomberg. So far in 2023, 184 firms have gone public, more than in any other full year. Data from Bloomberg says, The month of October alone saw 30 companies start trading in India, beating the United States, China and Hong Kong, among others. Adar Shankar, a partner with SR Bartley Boy & Associates, a member firm of EY Global in India, told Bloomberg that the IPO landscape was witnessing a surge in activity driven by both an urge to capital markets pre- or post-Indian general elections and strong economic activity, positive domestic and foreign investor sentiment towards India. Speaking of investments, India's insurance sector is doing well or not, depending on the day and who you ask. One indicator, of course, is Life Insurance Corporation, whose stock price was the most awaited IPO listing price last year and for many years till then. So it finally listed at 826 rupees in May last year and is now down 26% to around 605 rupees. So it has never regained its listing price, by the way. The Sensex was around 54,000 then and is around 64,000 now. Be that as it may, Zurich Insurance Corporation will buy a 51% stake in Kotak Mahindra's general insurance arm, which is, as you know, different from life insurance, for about $487 million or about 4,000 crore rupees, giving the European insurance giant a foothold in India's fast-growing insurance market, according to Reuters. Now, this will be the largest investment by a global insurer in an Indian non-life insurer. Meanwhile, result season is still on and most companies are broadly holding on to expectations, including downwards. IT services major Cognizant Technology Solutions, which is not listed in India, has said it expects its top line to decline by up to 3% to about $4.69 to $4.8 billion in the quarter ended December. That's the current quarter, according to an earnings statement released on Thursday. For the full year, revenue is likely to remain flat or decline marginally to about $19 billion. Cognizant's chief financial officer, Jan Siegmund, said that they have narrowed their full-year revenue guidance range, which now reflects discretionary spending pressure and impact to near-term revenue operations, as quoted by Bloomberg. The news from Cognizant is in sync with other IT companies who are also looking at a slowdown for the fiscal ending March 24, as companies or their clients in the United States and Europe, among other countries, cut back on tech spending. All the industry majors, including Infosys, HCL, Tech, Wipro, and Accenture, have moderated their outlook. This is already reflected in slowing, if not ceasing, of hiring and some downsizing across the industry, which in turn is expected to impact demand for discretionary products, albeit in a small way right now, though this can potentially increase indebtedness, a cause of concern for India's regulatory system further. And a look at India's shared office space. Multiple reports said WeWork, the NYSE-listed flexible space provider, is preparing to file for bankruptcy as early as next week. The company, valued at about $47 billion in 2019, has seen its share price tank from a peak of $520, and on a year-to-date basis, its share price is down 99% at the end of trading on November 1st. So, WeWork has a presence in India, which appears to be building the business in a fairly straightforward margin over cost of real estate and layout way. WeWork India said it clocked revenues of about 1400 crores in 22-23 and a profit after tax of about 60 crore rupees, according to Money Control, which adds that to ready a 100,000 square feet building, WeWork India spends around 25 crore rupees. 
beyond WeWork, India has been generally seeing strong demand for managed spaces from large and small players, that is, large organized or relatively organized, and smaller, not so organized players. The larger trend playing out in the co working space business is obviously the question of the financial health of the tenants, including the IT services majors who are shrinking even as they are bringing back people to offices led by the largest. IT services company, Tata Consultancy Services, which has over 600,000 people on its payroll. So where is or are the numbers settling down? Co-working or managed spaces are also a reflection of the relatively shorter term outlook of the tenant, mostly because they're calibrating business growth. Or of course, it's possible, as it is in some cases, that this model of co-working works best. I reached out to Harsh Binani, co-founder of SmartWorks, which claims to be India's largest managed workspace platform for enterprises with a footprint of over 8 million square feet across 40 plus locations in 14 cities. And I began by asking him how he was seeing demand for shared office space at this point. If I were to look at both the aspects of a real estate developer as well as a managed workspace platform such as ours, you will find a conclusion that work from home has had practically no impact per se because India returned back to work much earlier than the rest of the world. And particularly, the Indian economy has not only been growing quite rapidly because of its domestic demand, but India is also increasingly becoming the office to the world. And particularly in light of some of the geopolitical tensions, as well as India's macroeconomic stability, on one end, you've suddenly seen that the demand for new space has grown manifold. And it's frankly not kept pace with the supply available because during COVID, you started to see a lot of supply slowdown, which has now also gone up. But particularly, we've seen that you know the demand has been fairly robust. A lot of Indian and global companies in India have called back folks who are permanently working from home or in a hybrid structure because India culturally is not very conditioned well from work from home. Call it several reasons, whether it's the residential apartments not being attuned to working from home or just the productivity systems and evolution of HR systems in companies to measure the productivity and collaboration that work from home can drive. So from that extent, I would say work from home has in fact been a big boon to players such as us, because whether you work two days a week in office or whether you work five days, you still need space. And particularly with the new social distancing norms and the new flexibility being desired, the demand for absolute space has also gone up to a large extent. So to that, we anticipate that going forward, work from home will continue, but it will not be at the same velocity as it was during COVID. And it will have negligible or no impact, particularly in terms of consumption. So we are seeing in the context of IT companies, for example, and that's the only example I'm quoting because that's most been the most public in the last week or so, reducing headcount. Now, the actual numbers may not be much, let's say 25,000 against a million in organized IT in the large companies. But what's the sense that you're getting between industries? I mean, are some pulling back and others staying on or expanding? I would say the impact of IT slowdown has been fairly subdued or marginal in terms of overall consumption when it comes to space, largely because remember again, during COVID, you had these two years of super turbo growth in a lot of digital-led businesses. So your base increased significantly during these two years. Now, if you're almost saying that your 100 became 150 during this time, and that 150 has become 145. But on a Kager basis, the growth has still been fairly robust in that sense. And particularly, ITITS, India was known more for being a BPO or a call center or some of the 
non core jobs were getting outsourced to india in a very big way when you were talking about the its segment of india but now what we are seeing with india increasingly becoming the office to the world and a lot of advanced functions such as emerging tech advanced tech ai analytics also coming in a big way we are seeing a corollary trend of india housing a lot of global capability centers but are you seeing that as well as in are they coming to your premises absolutely it's been driving at least 25% of our incremental demand and all of it resonates very well with the larger theme of india now really well positioned because of all the transformational changes which have happened and especially covid has now given it a bigger vaccine booster and from that aspect itits so you're saying gcc would be 25% of your incremental business that's right and these are typically large companies and with larger or longer rentals absolutely these are forbes 2000 companies they have fairly large presence globally earlier they were moving a lot of their ites work to india now they are moving a lot of their core functions such as r&d do you think that these are companies who are in transition because i'm assuming if they're setting up gccs then they would look for permanent and larger setups of their own or do you feel that this is the model they've settled for right now in our view this is a fairly permanent change because you know the format that we offer right in terms of managed workspaces where you're providing office as a service with a much more elevated office experience available without any capex incurred and cost savings makes it a fairly compelling value proposition for anyone who's entering india to have an office in a hassle free friction less manner now obviously once they've fairly settled in india there could be a decisioning point where they might evaluate and consider their own options as well so it depends truly on the incumbent at smartworks given how value priced our product is and how compelling the entire proposition is we do not see this being an imminent threat to us in terms of them shifting but you can't necessarily generally comment about the rest of industry everyone has different models and structures but so far a lot of our gcc take up is fairly long tenure in nature and what would be the second biggest industry occupant at this point so we conservatively as we were building the business in early days had to rely a lot on it its because frankly the truth is 60% of india's demand is driven by global companies and its companies so you can't necessarily not concentrate on this if you're focusing a lot on incremental growth but a viewpoint we took you know about 3 years back was that how can we now start diversifying our sectoral base so that while we follow the market trends but don't necessarily mirror it has now translated into ground action because versus of 60% take up of ITITS in general today our numbers are at about 45% for ITITS and we welcomed a lot of new age and old age economy companies so bfsi manufacturing healthcare and this new age unicorns and really well funded startups are also driving a lot of our incremental demand and frankly when more sturdy clients such as healthcare and bfsi come to a format such as ours right a managed workspace platform they come with frankly even more longer term orientation than it its because they are slowest to move but when they do take that decision it's fairly more well thought through and permanent in nature and what's your average length of rentals harsh are 5 years on an average we obviously lock you in for a shorter tenure but given the nature of the beast right the enterprises the stickiness is and predictability is much higher and they obviously end up staying with us for a much longer duration in general harsh thank you so much for joining me thank you Hospitality goes stronger. 
In another sign that the hospitality industry is going strong in many parts of the world, particularly in Asia and of course India, Marriott International, the well-known chain, reported third quarter earnings that beat analyst estimates as the lodging giant benefited from a rebound in Asia hotel bookings, according to Bloomberg. Revenue per available room in Asia, excluding China, increased 36% from the same period in 2022 and it climbed 47% in China, which in turn made up for relatively slower growth in the United States and Canada. Interestingly, Airbnb, which has been eating into the business of all major hotel chains in recent years, gave a disappointing outlook for the fourth quarter, citing greater volatility in the economic environment that it expects will slow demand for travel after a record summer season, Bloomberg reported. That's it from me for today. Have a great weekend. But before I go, don't forget to catch my exclusive conversation over the weekend on the Core Report Weekend Edition with Satish Pai, Managing Director of the $28 billion metals giant Hindalco. Bye for now. This was the Core Report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in that is www.thecore.in or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback@thecore.in. At Thank you for listening.